One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. What's up, everyone? Happy Wednesday. I have to tell you all up top, John is a very good sport because if you saw our headline, you know it's a topic that they discussed on the show yesterday, but I was like, John, cannot <laughs> miss this. Half talk. You, it's kind of like I was thinking about this earlier, and I was like, you know, it, it's fair that Perry wants to talk about Jurassic World. This is kind of like if if the if the trailer for Fede Alvarez's Alien movie came out and you and Steve talked about it, Without including me in that conversation, I would be a little upset. Like, you know, Jurassic Park, you know, one of your favorite movies. It is your, it is like the favorite movie, right? Jurassic Park is my favorite movie of all time. That's right. I always, I always, I'm always like, is it Scream or is it Jurassic Park? I can't remember. So this is why it gets confusing. Jurassic Park is my favorite movie of all time. Scream is my second favorite movie of all time. But Scream is my favorite franchise of all time. And Jurassic is my second favorite franchise of all time. That is, yeah, that's that's a little, that's a little wonky. <laughs> one, one has become a bit more consistent than the other, which um, I, I guess we can just get into it right now. So the reason why we brought up the Jurassic franchise yesterday and why we're talking about it again today is because there's reports out there saying that David Leach is the one who is in talks to direct Jurassic World 4, which is a pretty big deal. So when it comes to David Leach's body of work, I think it is abundantly clear that he is a very talented director. And I think that many movies out there would be lucky to have him. Clearly, there's a little a little disappointment in my voice. I can't hide it. And I'll, I'll admit it has nothing to do with his skill set or qualifications and more so what I was hoping that Universal would do with the franchise going forward, which is tell smaller, more intimate stories. But if you look at David Leach's body of work, them looking at him to direct the movie to me signals the opposite. It signals that the Jurassic World franchise will continue the way it had been before. You know, like 
big, shiny blockbuster movies. And I had my fingers crossed that what they were going to do with the continuation of the franchise is lean a little more in the direction of, let's say, a movie, a short like Battle at Big Rock, where it is what is life like when we have to share the world alongside dinosaurs, more intimate stories, maybe not a bajillion dinosaurs in the movie, which I know everybody out there wants to a degree, but, you know, something a little, a little smaller scale. And then also turning it into an opportunity for an up and coming director to, to really soar also. So when the news broke that David Leach was being eyed to direct the movie, I can't say it upped my enthusiasm for the film, but admittedly, and I do this with every single movie, no matter how passionate I am about a franchise, I understand we're all human beings and we all have have wants when it comes to a popular property that we're very attached to. But if Leach does sign on the dotted line and get gets confirmed to direct the movie, of course, I am going to stay open-minded, assess the movie for the movie that he wants to make for the movie that the team behind the film wants to make. And I will have to remove my hopes for where they're going to take the franchise out of the equation and, you know, maybe back pocket them in the future, but I will be open-minded if this is the direction things are going. See, the question that I have for you though, is does, does having David Cope doing the writing help at all with your enthusiasm? It, It could help. I mean, yeah, I like obviously I was thrilled when that news broke too, but until I actually learn more about what they're doing with the story, I, I, I think I think that um I think that it's hard for that to really up up my enthusiasm. It's it's challenging with big franchises, and I think um even though I love, love, love Jurassic, I think in recent years you know, more so than any, we have seen a lot of big, big budget, big money-making film franchises, I guess like spin out of control in a sense, do do like too much of what we love from before and what was working before to its detriment, if you know what I mean. I mean, yeah. I, like I it's the Fast and the Furious effect. Well, and, I, and I'm and i thinking about Fast and Furious a lot because Leech is, and I loved Hobbs and Shaw, but Fast and Furious is one that is kind of, you know, spun out of control. It's, it's always spun out of control. That's part of the charm of the franchise, but maybe a little too much so in the last movie. But, you know, it's, it's, it's hard. It's hard for me at this point in time, given what I've been seeing lately, to not wish that one of my favorite film franchises would go smaller and more intimate compared to like, Bigger and more, if you know what I mean. This is why, like, I think that it, like, mentally, I have a very, like, distinct separation between Jurassic Park and Jurassic World. To me, I almost, in my head, have them separated as two separate uh, franchises. Sorry, I thought I had this muted, but apparently I did not. Mm. Uh in my head, I have them separated, and to me, Jurassic Park is is the one that is, like, a little bit more existential, a little bit more thought-provoking about its monster moviness, and Jurassic World is just a little bit more, like, more action, more, like, crazy monster stuff. Um, I mean, yes and no. I do, I do kind of see what you mean. In, in, in my mind, the way that I, I compare their one franchise, obviously, but the two sections is that 
Jurassic World is is literally designed to be more. That's the whole idea of the franchise. Like, you know, yeah. you, you stand on the backs of people who understand the science and you use it because it's there and you wield that power without much thought in terms of the ramifications of it. And it's about all these people making the same mistakes in Jurassic Park and then essentially no one learning from them and making even bigger mistakes in the Jurassic World franchise. And I, I, I felt like the next stage of that was what I thought that they were teasing with the title Jurassic World. Like I understand that Jurassic World is a bigger version of Jurassic Park, but then I thought when they were getting into Dominion, they were teeing up like a literal Jurassic Earth. Like what would it be like if dinosaurs were roaming the earth alongside humans? How would we adjust? And that to me just lent itself to the possibility of, of really smart, intimate storytelling, perhaps an anthology format where you didn't have to worry about following characters throughout multiple films. You could tell individual stories and how different people in different areas of the world, you know, with different jobs or whatnot, how they would adapt their lives to living alongside dinosaurs. That sounded very interesting to me. And when I thought about the franchise that way, I could think of, a number of really exciting directors. And again, respect to David Leach. I've seen very talented work, very exceptional work from him. So I want to point that out. But, you know, I was I was thinking about some names that, you know, maybe I was rooting for to get a project like this. And one of the first ones that came to mind is Joe Cornish. Have you seen Attack the Block? Uh, yeah, I watched it once, I think. I, it's, I think that is one of the best alien movies we've gotten in recent years. And I, I think it just shows signs as does, um, uh, Oh my God, what's his next movie? Uh, the kid who would be King. I just think mm. that Joe Cornish is, is someone who has exhibited a skill to, you know, make big block plus blockbuster flashy images, but with like, texture to it and a, and a really like earnest heart. And I, I like that combination. Another person that I've been thinking about a lot is, is Brian Duffield, who I think is incredibly talented, both on the writing side of things. And now he continues to prove himself as a director. Spontaneous was one of my favorite films of the year, the year that movie came out. And then I, and, and then I also think, uh, uh, no one will save us is, is a great example of how good he is with, uh, you know, sci-fi with layers and, and, and a narrow focus too. And then of course, another name I have to throw out is Gina Prince Bythewood who like excelled with the woman King and the old guard. Like if you need an example of a director who, who can, you know, like put character and story first, but also really excel with the action. I think she's a perfect example of someone with the best possible skill set to, you know, make a really rich Jurassic movie. So those are just three names across my mind. I think those are all solid choices. I honestly, it's one of those sort of things where I, I I'm with you. I would very much like to see like maybe a smaller, like lesser known director, get a chance because like to me big franchises like this one of the one of the sort of best parts of them is that they're they're almost like star makers especially when it comes to things like directors and writers and things of that nature if you put out like you know if you put somebody who's made like one or two movies in the director's chair on a big you know franchise film like jurassic world and they do a halfway decent job that's going to you know lead to them being able to do other stuff down the line and i'd like to see that more often but you know i'm not i'm not as 
I'm not as concerned about Leech directing this movie. I I definitely understand your concerns about it maybe going in the direction that I wouldn't have hoped for, but I still think that it'll be at the very least a fun movie. I want it to be more than that. Also, I realized as I was explaining directors that I wanted to see uh, make the movie. I turned uh, No One Will Save You into a sequel, which should definitely use that title I just made up. No One Will Save Us. (laughs) (laughs) I want a sequel to that movie. That would be a pretty good one. All in the game over here was saying that uh, Dan Trackenberg would have been a great Oh, my God. Dan's a great, great uh, example here because literally proof of concept is – I actually, now that I'm thinking about it, what he did with the Predator franchise is literally what I want to see them do with the Jurassic franchise. I mean, not necessarily go back to that particular time period or anything like, or like play around with it like that. But the idea of like taking the sci-fi entity and turning it into a really contained intimate story. That right there is what I want. (laughs) I think that he would do a spectacular job at it though. Uh, I'm going to be a little bit selfish and say that I don't want him to get the chance to do it because I want him to keep working on predator movies. I want to pray too. Uh, whatever that that. entails, whatever that winds up being. I know there's been some talk about doing like a, let's do like a samurai predator story, or let's do like a, you know, different predator in different cultures and different time periods and things of that nature. Just let him do that. Yeah, like that's that's where my mind goes with him. Uh, so that's I would be very, very open to that. But, you know, this is where we stand on the new Jurassic movie at this point in time. We still probably have a, a little ways to go until they start start locking things in firmly and revealing more information. But given my obsession, you can bet we're going to cover it a whole lot right here on Collider Dailies. All right. I mean, it's, it's already come up twice, so it's probably going to come up many more times. Oh, I will make sure of it, John. <laughs> uh, next topic today is Love Lies Bleeding, which just dropped a brand new trailer. John's going to give his thoughts on the trailer. And then I was lucky enough to catch the movie at its premiere screening at Sundance, so I can give you some thoughts on the movie. Non-spoiler, of course. John, how do you feel about the trailer? This this movie just looks intense in like this is one of those movies that I'll probably spend the entire time watching it mouth agape just constantly going holy crap holy crap like it's just it seems insane it it seems like one of the grittier films that I've seen in a while one of the like grimier we were talking a little bit before. Uh, the show about how like it it seems like almost one of those movies that's almost borderline too like seedy for me but i am definitely interested in seeing it and this and the cast is absolutely insanely stacked so that alone is gonna get me through the door to watch this movie uh it, i'm at a loss of words it yeah. looks incredible i it very I can- much can confirm that your impression of the movie based on the trailer that you're going to be watching this movie with your jaw on the floor the entire time is, is pretty accurate, but I love being able to say this with certainty, anything you're expecting from this movie, like you have no idea because I I've been a, I've been a big fan of Rose glass since St. Maud. I've been eagerly awaiting her next movie for, for quite some time. So I've been following the development of love lies bleeding and like literally anything I could get my hands on. I'm watching, reading, looking at, you name it. 
And even then, the movie was so above and beyond what I expected. It's just, it like, it really is. I think, um, I think in my tweet, I said like a staggeringly wild experience. And, and that is, that is what it is. Everything it does, like it being, you know, shocking, like super sexy, extremely violent, just absolute like chaos in every single respect. It takes all of those things and it takes them to an 11. Every single time I like, I thought I had an idea of what could happen next or what these characters were capable of. There was something that, that just blew my mind and far exceeded what I thought they were capable of. And, and a big part of the reason why it worked really well for me is yeah, there, there's all of these like bonkers big swings, but they're all rooted in pretty much the same driving force. And that driving force is, is either revenge, ambition, love, or some sort of combination of the three. And I think that that keeps it together nice and firmly. I will say though, I am anticipating a very polarized response to this movie. And personally, that's the kind of response to a movie that excites me more rather than everyone falling in line and agreeing on everything. I love the idea that this feels like a love it or strongly dislike it movie to me. I enjoyed my first screening of this movie considerably. I had an absolute blast and I, it left me very, very eager to see it again because I I just absolutely love watching a filmmaker operate with seemingly no restrictions whatsoever. Just being able to like push the creative possibilities to like the absolute limit. And that's what Rose Glass does here. I am very curious to see how I respond to the movie having some sort of foundation, knowing all of the wild that's coming my way and now being able to sit there and know what I'm in for and be able to look for for little like nuance and details that I might have missed the first time around just from the movie, like making my brain explode. So that is where I stand on Love Lies Bleeding after one watch. Fingers crossed the second one happens very soon. It definitely seems like you know, it seems like a movie that is going to rustle some Jimmy. So there are going to be some people who are going to, as you said, it's going to be a love it or hate it sort of thing. Um, and I feel like this is one that's going to be one that is definitely, there are going to be some people who are going to be very, very upset with this film. Um, and I can tell that just by looking at the trailer. Can I just say, John, I understand someone walking out of this movie and being like, you know, it's not for me. I don't want, if someone's upset by the movie, the way that I think you're implying, you know what? That's their, that's, our, that's their problem. Like, what? What, yeah. what is that? What is that? Stop. You that. get. You get what I'm. You yeah, get I get what, what you're saying, now. and that like uh, that, res- that response would uh would make me quite angry. Yeah, it, it. But it very much seems like the kind of thing that uh, it's gonna. I I think it's gonna drive some people wild. Just watching that trailer, it's going to be. It's gonna be probably one of those movies that the people who love it are going to like obsessively love it. Like they're going to be the kind of people who are going to be coming up to you just randomly in the street and be like, have you seen Love Lies Bleeding? Yeah. yeah. No, no you I'm haven't. Like, I'm walking you to the theater now. I'm so ready for that. I'm so ready for those conversations. It was definitely one of the ones that I couldn't stop talking about and thinking about while I was at Sundance. And like, even right now, the watching the trailer they just released, like 
flooded my brain with all the wild visuals that aren't in that trailer that I'll never forget. Also, I will I will say just about the trailer because I said it to you before. Couple couple shots here and there that maybe I wish they had kept out of the trailer, but it's not it's not it's not anything like too hugely spoilery, I guess. But there like, something in particular just caught my my eye. Is it just going to be the kind of thing that like? You aren't going to really register it when you're watching the trailer, but as soon as you watch the movie, you're going to go, oh, that was a big deal. I don't know. I feel like you never know nowadays because now that it's so easy to to analyze every single frame of a trailer on the internet and people like to do that, I, I feel like you never know, but eh, there's, there's one yeah. shot I would have removed from the trailer. I'll say that. All righty. Another trailer. Right now, we are moving on to the trailer for A Quiet Place, Day One. John, I'm so excited for this movie. So excited for this movie. How do you feel about the franchise? And are you looking forward to a prequel rather than a third installment that continues the the forward progression of the story? So uh, I will say I absolutely loved the first film. Adored it. It was one of my favorite films of that year. What was that, 2017? 18? Might be 18. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Something like that. Uh, the second one, I wasn't as big of a fan of. It was a good movie. I just I didn't get as like hyped for it, as excited by it as the first one. This trailer, though, is ticking all the right boxes for me. This looks like something that is going to be absolutely thrilling, absolutely horrifying, and absolutely brilliant all at the same time. And I'm here for it. Yeah, I'm. I'm right there with you. I love. I love both A Quiet Place movies. I, I thought the the second one kept the bar just as high in a very impressive way. Where it was, it was a good movie. I yeah. just you know I walked out of it. Maybe it was you know, maybe it was the fact that the first one was just so like such an interesting premise and such an original idea that when you revisit that idea with the second one that I wasn't as gripped by it because I had already kind of experienced that idea. Uh, but I mean, it, it's a good film. I just wasn't as I big of a fan. I find it funny that I'm kind of taking the opposite stance on the A Quiet Place franchise where the first two movies were, were fairly intimate and character driven and, you know, focused on small space and experience but I do think it is time, especially when you saw the beginning in A Quiet Place Part 2, it's time to expand. And I, I think yeah. there is not that the not that the movie lost its life, because clearly I like the first two movies quite a bit. But I think there's no better way to infuse even more energy and life into this franchise than by taking it back to day one and setting that day one story in a big city. What what a like riveting and deeply chilling concept based on watching this trailer my my hope that they really did pull this off is that 
strong, like strong characters again, first and foremost, but there's, I hope I can explain this properly. Like there's some sort of layering that I see happening where the first two movies were, were deeply chilling on a small scale, but by, uh, you know, well putting you into their situation just in terms of the, like the tension of needing to stay quiet because these, these couple of monsters that are in this area could get you. I feel like by going into like this mass invasion in a big city, like having such an intimate relationship with, with that smaller experience is making like the wider view of it even more terrifying. It, it very much feels to me kind of like going from alien to aliens where it's going from this very like small contained idea with like smaller numbers to them just basically going, Hey, let's take this idea, but more like let's take and let's just go bigger with it and putting it in such a large city and having the potential of there being, you know, so much just mayhem going on at all times is going to make for, I would assume what looks like from the trailer is probably going to be one of those films that just does not stop. Yeah. That's what I'm hoping for. Hoping for that. Also like what, a, what a cast like. Oh yeah. Oh. And then this is the other thing I wanted to bring up about this one because I like, I, I love the idea of franchises like this going the anthology route where you're not necessarily shackled to the characters who, who established the franchise at the start. I think having Jaiman Hansu's character be the connector here is, is really, really smart in a way where it's not necessarily being weighed down by the lore established in previous movies, but it also is connected just enough that I suspect that after seeing A Quiet Place Day 1, I'll be able to go back and watch A Quiet Place Part 2, and now that movie gets a whole new layer because I know the truth of his past, which was hinted at in that movie. But I, I think it's yeah. a really great way to connect everything here. The only thing, John, that worries me about this trailer... The right. one and only thing. Why give Lupita Nyong'o a cat? Why, like, why are you doing this to me? Why are you running the risk of having me not focus on all the other things going on in this movie? Because I am in an absolute panic about the safety of that cat. I, I mean that as a genuine concern, too. I'm not just trying to be funny. Like, it, it stresses me out. It stresses me out. And you are, you're not alone in that. Uh, pretty obvious prediction here is the cat is going to die uh, or that. she's going to lose the cat. Stop I'm sorry. That. It just is. Because here's the thing. Here's the thing about Hollywood. If you want to give a hero a pet, but then not kill it, you give them a dog. What? Because people are, because people are statistically more sympathetic towards dogs than they no. are cats. No. Yes. Hard no. Hard no, John. Hard yes. I I will. Kill a cat in a movie and see what people's reaction is. Kill a dog in the same movie and see what people's reaction is. People if, will be so much more upset over the dead dog. If someone's cat. heart is broken more by seeing something bad happen to a dog than a cat on screen, that person is just closed-minded and hasn't opened themselves up to the wonderful experience of having a cat. They just don't understand. They just haven't experienced something. So it's just a problem of being closed-minded. Perry, are you about to declare war on cat people? I'm, 
or on dog people? <laughs> no, because I'm a dog person too. I'm a I'm like a both person. I, lo- I love cats and dogs. I love and and really, I have this problem with almost any animal in in yeah. a in a movie. But like again, because you know, I have my own personal experiences. I am a cat owner. I am a dog owner. I am extra sensitive to anything happening to those yeah. types of animals. But here, I remember a real issue. <laughs> I remember after after we watched Dogman at Fantastic Fest, you were talking about how like you were glad that the dogs like all got away. <laughs> I mean, like, I, yeah, that that is yeah. a that is a real a real risk I run where there are certain there are certain movies if something bad happens to a pet and it's not like it's not justified or feels necessary to the story, like I. I can't, I can't handle it. And it runs the risk of making me angry too. Yeah. I could, I could very much see the cat in this film being a, being a, a plot tool to try to like increase the tension a little bit because a cat's not going to know to be quiet. So I could see the cat making noise and drawing the aliens and that being like a plot point. I could also potentially see uh, what Mike Joyce pointed out. Uh, what if the cats are alien kryptonite? <laughs> what I would give for that to be true. As like as silly of an idea that is, we kind of like we kind of laugh about it a little bit. I could one hundred percent see that being a thing that they do, or <gasps> like the that. or like the aliens are scared of the cats or something like that. So basically, yeah. they're Minecraft creepers. Well, uh, they just don't like cats for whatever reason. That's my dream um, outcome. <laughs> or maybe they're yeah they're allergic to dander or whatever. Or the like those those weird pheromones that the cats let off that make yeah. you love them more, yeah. <laughs> I like that, I could see that happening. I'm absolutely tickled by that idea. I am just going to will that into existence. That is that is how that's how things are going to pan out for this cat. <laughs> All right, with that, that is a wrap on today's edition of Collider Dailies. John, anything you want to promote before we say goodbye? Uh, same thing as I always do premium videos over on collider.com. If you are on the website and you see an article thumbnail that has a little play button in the corner, uh, that means that there is a video element attached to that article. It can be anything ranging from a feature video, which is what I work on most of the time. Uh, it could be an interview clip. It could be a, a clip from a film any sort of thing, any sort of video element is going to appear like that on there. So get over there. If you're on collider.com, go ahead and give them a watch. They're always fantastic supplements to whatever article it is that you're reading. So, you know, and I work really hard on it and I'd like it if, if people uh, appreciated that work. Yes. <laughs> that I'll say go back uh, to the Collider Forces episode with Kelvin Harrison Jr. and Aaron Pierre. It's been Very up since much. last weekend. And then this weekend, our brand new episode is going to be with Catherine Newton for Lisa Frankenstein, which I'm very, very excited about. I am looking forward to that one. I think that's going to be I, fantastic. I mean, the, the review embargo is up, so I can tell you I, I like the movie quite a bit. I feel like everything that movie is trying to do really like well suits my cinematic interests and also some of the movies from the past that have kind of built the the foundation inside me of the movie lover that I was and have grown into. So that movie really worked for me. Um, I'll also take a quick moment to let you know that there's tons of Collider FYC screenings with Landmark coming up in Los Angeles. So if you are in the area and you want to attend, check out the Collider website. There's a whole bunch of posts for a lot of them. So 
Go look at that. The one that I'm moderating is on Sunday with the team behind Perfect Days. So do check that out. I would love to see you there if you're if you're free and you want a little uh, non-football palate cleanser on your Sunday. So hopefully see you there. In the meantime, John and Maggie will see you tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. Pacific. Have a good Wednesday, everyone. <laughs>